you're looking for one of the most beautiful and playable custom acoustics on the planet, look no further than Ed Rice at Toeir Guitars. Ed is a true artist, transforming exotic woods into magnificent, sweet-sounding instruments. Go to toeirguitars.us, that's T-O-I-R-G-U-I-T-A-R-S.us, and contact Ed today. Hey everybody, Brad and I want to say thank you for listening and thank you for the support. Please continue to listen and share this podcast on all platforms that you can. And if you'd like to support us monthly, we're set up now where you can go to anchor.fm slash Recording, hit the support button, 99 cents, $4.99 or $9.99 per month. Any amount would be greatly appreciated. Now back to the podcast. Top Hill Recording, episode 143. What's going on, Neil? I don't know, man. Morning drinking again. Yeah. It's <laughs> becoming uh, something that's happened quite a bit around here, and that's good. And yeah, we're, we're starting to have to... This is the second podcast in a row where we have to go, I promise that we're not alcoholics. Uh, <laughs> it's just part of the routine <laughs> with the podcast. What's up with you this morning, Brent? I'm good. Have you had a good morning? I have. <laughs> I'm ready. I'm ready to. I'm ready to roll. <laughs> I bet you are. <laughs> Speaking of oh, rolls, man, you, you really gotta watch what you eat, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, we won't go any further than that. So have a bourbon, clear it up. Uh, yeah. Can you, man, hand, we can you a, hand me mine? Sure. Got a great Thank guest you. this morning. Welcome, Nicholas Johnson. Hey, what's up, guys? Thanks what's for up, having me, man. Brother. Thanks Absolutely. for coming in. Yeah. Absolutely. And we so the other day we had a podcast. We had somebody uh, coming through. Uh, Dan Zlotnick. You know yes, Dan, right? Yes, sir. Yeah. 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 I was his uh, host there in Cincinnati and just a fellow I met out on the road and great, great dude, man. Yeah, man. So yeah. he was on a run and, and he could only come in at like 8.30 a.m. No way. So we did a podcast and one shots at 8.30 a.m. and enjoyed a little bit of... Uh, Breakfast bourbon. Basil Hayden. Yep. Which, if you ever need a bourbon at 8.30 in the morning, that's a good one to go to. Yeah. Oh. Super smooth, man. It's like Bre- uh, breakfast bourbon. It's, yeah. like, it's like coffee in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> well, cheers, Deliver. guys. Cheers. Hey. Oh, shit. I already took yours. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers, Nick. I'll bring it to you, brother. You're cool. There cheers, we go. man. Thanks again for coming up. So, did we say this is bullet? It, yes. Okay. It's a bullet bourbon. That was some yeah. real... Uh, shine running stuff too you know i feel like i feel like we're drinking in the tradition of the old shine runners you know moonshine runners and these yeah when we drink anything that we got from our secret friend <laughs> yeah so this uh this came, makes it taste better yeah. exactly it does it's good <laughs> it just comes straight from the barrel right on you know uh straight from yes we'll say i think so i think the way they they end up doing it don't they put it in like a uh when they drain the barrels they put it in a big like uh, stainless steel, something, and then like a tank. Tank, yeah. yeah. You gotta think that's the perfect word. <laughs> stainless steel tank, and then that's how they feel. I was getting ready to say vat. So, that'll work. That'll too. do. Yeah, uh-huh. But yeah, we're so, on. I assume. I don't know. I don't really care if he, uh, you know, took it off the floor after it spilled. But you know, it, this Dang. has like a little bit of a, a spicier taste than I remember Bullet having. 
It's like on the back. I hear you. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. like a little kind of it, sweet at the front, and then a yeah, little kick at the back there. Yeah, yeah it's, well, re- it's here, really good. The secret is, I think, you just don't clean out your uh, bourbon bottles. So whatever you get, <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> made that up completely. So <laughs> just like a marination. Yeah. 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 So this is ninety-five percent bullet. And five percent everything else that's ever been in that bottle. That's it. (laughs) (laughs) I guarantee there have been different things that have been in there. One hundred percent. So how'd it go with Magbar last night, Nick? Dude, I like it. It was a it was a mighty crowd, man. Like they were super enthusiastic. We had um, I was lucky enough to be sandwiched between two uh, really different but equally energizing bands. Uh, The Brake Lights, which kind of had like a punk vibe. Then the dude with the who's playing solo with an acoustic guitar, and then uh, like this alternative grunge metal. So, yeah, so uh, paired real <laughs> Somehow it worked, man. It yeah. was, it was cool, man. Yeah, yeah. that's what you know. Brent uh, mentioned. He's like, man. So he played the Magbar last night. He's like, I thought that was like a punk bar. I, lo- I love the Magbar. Yeah, he loves yeah, the yeah. Magbar. But he's like, I thought that was like a more Dude, of a, a punk. Vibe, yeah. Yeah. It works. No, man. Yeah. It was humbling. You know, to have to hold your own in between like some some thrashing like that, but you know. Yeah. Just hit that drive knob a little bit, and yeah. it's, it's, it's fine. <laughs> and I'd love a lineup like that. It would be. Yeah, it would, it those awesome. are some of my favorite nights, man. When yeah. you don't know what you, it's kind of like. As long as the energy kind of stays the same and it doesn't like you know dip mm-hmm. off and stuff, uh, man. Those are my favorite shows, dude. Yeah, you it never is. know what you're gonna get. You get. It's yeah. interesting that uh, you know, 99 percent of the time when you see a lineup like that, it's acoustic act, band, band to to sandwich you in the middle. is kind of interesting. Uh, how did you how did you maintain that level, man? Well, and honestly, that was my suggestion oh, <laughs> to, really? to the fellows. And I think uh, just scheduling-wise, it worked out for that first band to go first. And um, yeah, so to keep that energy, man, it's I, I've done this many, many times. So like basically just, you know, all all uppers, you yeah. know, yeah. I try, you know, we're playing center today uh, on the podcast a little later. And so stayed away from like those, those yeah. the sad bastard stuff. And, <laughs> you know, yeah. 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 Dude, and that's kind of uh, played up my my upbeat stuff. And then, like I said, just kind of crank that drive a little bit, get a little crunch in there and, you know, just try to keep, again, you're not going to match their intensity. So mm-hmm. you just have to kind of match their energy. Yeah. So, you know. yeah. Do, 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 are you, uh, do you love that challenge and doing that? Fuck yeah, dude. Uh, yeah, dude, absolutely. It'd be fun. It's, it, no, it is, is it intimidating? It was. Uh, w- way, way back in the day, uh, the first time that ever happened, I think it was like 07 or 08, I was playing in Indianapolis and I opened for a band called Black Note. And it was just like death metal. I don't know. <laughs> it was a place called Peppers down in Broad Ripple. And I don't know how this lineup came to be but <laughs> i was just doing my 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 acoustic thing and but that time i was about 60 40 covers and about 40 percent originals you know and so you know it was the first time i ever had the challenge of holding my own that would have been this, this wild um well in this particular one it was even more wild because this particular place had a upstairs which was like live music and a downstairs that was just like a dance club and so this particular crowd had like a bachelorette party attached to it. And they were just getting buck wild with my, my covers. And so, uh, good for them though. You know, they, they were having a good time. And then, uh, I accidentally, cause like I watched them for a few songs and I'm like, yeah, death metal, that rocks, man. And then like, I just went downstairs to see some of my friends 
And unfortunately, that whole bachelorette party just kind of followed me oh. downstairs. So I kind of <laughs> took their crowd. That's when I'm, that's when I, like, I got the inkling. I'm like, man, it, it kind of doesn't matter if you got that, like, you know, you know, intensity of the full band and that. It's just got to have certain energy to keep people, ha- to have fun. Yeah. It makes people have fun, you know. Oh. Well, Nick, start us off. Let's uh, right. let's go back to childhood with you and tell us about your early memories of music. And then, uh, you know, if, if there's something that stands out as a point where you realize this is something you want to do with your life, maybe tell us about that. Yeah, sure thing. Well, I actually grew up not too far south of here, um, just north of Bowling Green, Kentucky, around Mammoth Cave area. Uh, grew up around there. I was a band geek, really. That's where it started. So sixth grade, you know, um, I started on trumpet at Edmondson County Middle School. Uh, that Edmondson last, County. Yes, sir. Edmondson County. We got, a place, go. we got a place at Nolan Lake. Yeah. No kidding. Yeah, yeah man. Yeah. Edmondson's I'll a, be damned. Uh, there's farm in Edmondson County. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. When you're talking about like last hill in the yeah. I, I bet I bet I could tell you my, the farm and he'd know what farm it is if he was in Edmondson, the one where all the four wheelers go. <laughs> <laughs> you Which just described every cool farm between in, here and Bowling Green. Yeah. With the one with the cemetery on it. Yeah. You know that one? Yeah, same, same thing. <laughs> same thing. Every farm's a cemetery. It yeah. has four wheelers. <laughs> Nourishment to the crops. Oh, the Edmondson County. Yeah, buddy. It'll fall in a sinkhole if get too many of them four wheelers right there. <laughs> No, nah, man, but I started on trumpet, and at the end of the week, my band director, he was like, play medium. I'm like, bah, play high, bah, play low, bah. and he's like, dude, go, go play drums. <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, I wound up on drums till I was a senior in high school. I uh, did the marching band, pet band thing, and then I got to college at Western. I went to Western. Did you go to Edmondson County High School? I did. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Wildcats. Oh, um, Wildcats. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I went to Western and then, you know, they don't like it too kindly or they don't take it too kindly when you bring drum sets into a dorm room. So uh, uh, oh, I had yeah. to find other means to other things to beat on. And so I just <laughs> got guitar for dummies and went to town, man. Okay. So, so you started playing guitar in college then. I did. Yep, yeah. That's when it kind of started. And um had a little cover band uh, called Every Other Thursday, and we played every Tuesday. At the- <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, man, I, they really the the bug bit me there, you know. To to you know, this is something I, I I would love to do. I didn't really see a path for that, you know, back in the day. Um, so I've had some stops and starts from that point, but that's when I really did know that that I mean. Everything else was going to be a means to be able to do this, you know. What did mom and dad think when you said, mom, dad, you know that college education? I think I'm going to do this. <laughs> well, did you still do the college education? <laughs> did you go to school to, for drums? I did not. No, I, I ended up an English major. No kidding. Yeah, just the mm. creative writing aspect. and So that, uh, now it all makes sense. I read your blog and I'm thinking, this dude can write. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I do my best. Let's let's like uh, write and sing a little. That's that's what I got, and so that's that's what I tried to maneuver myself into, like in certain ways uh, after college. But you know, like like I said, mom and dad, you know, the world in general gives you that pressure of like, well, what are you gonna do? That kind of thing. Yeah. And so uh, yeah, everything really became a means to do this. So I took a job helping a welder after college, and so that kind of took me across the country, working on pipeline construction. And um, so I wound up in New Mexico, Wyoming, Savannah, Georgia, and do 
some grown man shit from like 6 a.m. to, you know, 5, 4, 5, 6. And then play when I could, 10 till 2 in the bars. So, yeah, uh, back when I could do that. There, yeah, no, that's no, a grind, man. I, <laughs> I went through that grind. It's terrible. No way yeah. in hell I'd want to do it today. But no. yeah, back in the day, what I didn't even think about it. It was just, you know, something that, that happened. Yeah. Get done at 2 a.m. and you're all hyped up. Can't go to sleep till 5 a.m. Exactly. Yeah, go to work at 6. <laughs> Dude, exactly. <laughs> Take a nap on your lunch break. Right. Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. Uh, you yeah. know, I mentioned that blog. I think I came across it maybe on your website. Yeah, and uh, the one—I uh, don't know how many there are—but the one I read, uh, I thought you did a really good job. You know, what you're talking about with your pronunciation, l- love, <laughs> <laughs> love, well, thank you, love of music and love of the business, and and how you got to even love uh, all the bad stuff, you know, that goes into it and all the crap you got to yeah, deal with. You better, you yeah. better, you better love it because it's it's not going to love you back all the time, man. Yeah, uh, you know, you have you can you can take away positives out of every gig. But, you know, sometimes you drove three hours to play, you know, to the bartender for 25 bucks and a bottle of beer. Yeah. And those nights, man, you if the bartender looks at you and nods his head, you better take that win, buddy. Mm. Yeah. You know, because um, that's, it's the grind. And, you know, when we're coming up and we don't know any better than to take these, you know, you know, you're playing this awesome venue, then you don't really think about it. You, you might not have a, you know, a crowd and... I know you just gotta you gotta pay your dues. Mm-hmm. So yeah. you know. How many shows do you shoot for? Like per month or week or year, however you think about it. Dude, uh I, there's not a number in yeah. mine. It's at this point it's like the right ones. Yeah. Uh for example, like and honestly, it's a completely different world, you know, post COVID versus like pre COVID oh, yeah. and stuff. So last year was and part of this year was just dipping the toe back in, just kind of seeing where things were gonna settle. And then uh you know, now we're in, so I'm getting ready to play South by in March mm. and I'm actually doing a release for the next album there. And, uh, we're already into March, May, the whole spring is being booked out as we speak. So literally just trying to get up markets that I haven't been in before, uh, trying to play some like here in Cincinnati, kick off the tour with places that I have been before. So not so much a number it's just the right ones. You know what I mean? So what about, you know, pre and post, COVID, it, it kind of felt like, um, in my perspective, that live music was, I wouldn't say dying. It was, it was becoming so much harder to get audiences pre-COVID. Have you noticed post-COVID a rejuvenated enthusiasm from audience members and, and uh, like numbers and, and just paying attention to the music? Have you noticed any difference? Anecdotally, yeah, I think so. Weirdly, yeah. You know, there's there's some things that are observably worse, (laughs) especially with booking and the back end. Um, but yeah, with with audiences, you're you're right. Actually, I hadn't even thought about it till you said I really they are really, you know, kind of excited and seems like they're more appreciative of live music being in front of them, whether it's a small but mighty crowd or just a big crowd or whatever, they're they're into it. So that's a cool thing. I don't know if it's just the shows that you know, maybe we've been lucky enough to see some really good, intimate shows, but it seems like um, when I when I watch music as a spectator, people are way more dialed in than they were prior to. It's like they're more invested. They're uh, there is a I'm ta- I'm taking the time to come see it. I want to be a part of it. I want to experience it. I want to bring the energy back. It just seems different mm-hmm. than it. I did. agree with that. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and you know what? I think that's reciprocal too, because, you know, at the same time with 
you know, again, all of us getting back into our old rhythms, there's a million things people could be choosing to do. Mm-hmm. The fact that they're there in front of you, man, that's as a performer, that that's everything, you know, that they chose. Like last night, I told them, you know, there's a million things going on in Louisville last night, man. And y'all yeah. chose to be here. That's that's a special thing to me. So, you know, True. It's, it's reciprocal. Saturday night in Louisville, Kentucky, there seems to be a million things to do. And it, it, it used to be, it seemed like it was harder to drive people to live music. But I think like, you know, the Monarch and things like that, that have rejuvenated um, interest in original stuff it has kind of spurred this little... You know, and, and maybe it is part of post-COVID. Everybody was so stuck. And then um, so many driving forces for the internet and, and snippets on Instagram and TikToks and all that crap to where you get little pieces of these things and, and can gain some traction and, and get people to hear some things because they were kind of stuck. And now that they aren't stuck, I, maybe that's part of it. You know, is it, yeah. from our end, that's what it seems like. And, and from right. your perspective on the stage, that's, it's just an interesting thought if they're more dialed in. Absolutely. And, and, cool. and honestly, you could take that town to town. I've, I've been on the East Coast this past year, went down to South by this past year as well. Everywhere I've been, it's kind of been the same story. Rarely have I come across uh, a situation where I've even watched a band that where people weren't, you know, locked in at least somewhat, you know. Yeah. So there's a cool byproduct, I guess, that what little's to be had from that, you know what I mean? So, One of the good things that came yeah. out of COVID was a lot of new original music that was written during that time. Yeah. But the 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 thing that you uh there's a vibe to some of that. It's kind of melancholy. Oh yeah, some yeah, that's true. It, that's some true. of it's great in yeah. his uh, perspective, but I think you got a lot of like the same we're stuck with stuff. Yeah. All right. Right. Yeah. I'm so sad and I'm going to write sad songs. <laughs> well, you know, it's 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 challenging to be like happy. I'm a happy. I'm going to write a I'm so happy I want to write a song. <laughs> like, I don't know. Well, it, was, it would be... <laughs> There's people that can do it. You know, yeah. just, I'm, not th- I'm not that dude either. But like, it's funny you mentioned the COVID thing and people writing. And actually, I went the other way. My COVID project was revisiting some stuff I just wasn't super happy with. Uh, my re- just yeah. redid my first album. Uh, really? That was my, yeah. That was my first... talk about this. Yeah. Uh, All right. Here's the deal, man. What's up? <laughs> I love that thought. I love the idea of doing that. Right You've got to tell me about this. So when was your first record? 2017? Uh, actually, 2012. Oh, the only one I saw was 2017 on I took Spotify. that one off. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I love this idea. I love the thought. We've talked about this a lot, Brent and I, and yeah. uh, Lee and Spencer, and we probably even discussed going back and... Re- I've talked to you about wanting to redo those original songs that I've yeah. done. So getting your perspective is going to be amazing. What, sure. what was it? that was itching at you about these things? Was it the recording or the writing or all of it? Or was it just a polishing? What what was it? It really was all of it. Honestly, really? uh, it was my first time in a studio. I was living in New York and uh, I recorded the album in Upstate. The album's called Upstate. <laughs> <laughs> super, super clever. Um, but, I, I, you know, the, honestly, the, the producer was a little green too. I was green. Um, the recordings weren't super polished. I kind of got pushed around a little bit as far as like, you know, the, the way that the songs turned out, it kind of ended up to me super poppy when that's not how they really kind of were jiving around in my mind. Mm -hmm. So it just always ate at me and it wasn't something I like was super proud to have my name on. So I just took it off of the streaming services and I'm like, some of these songs, though, deserve better than what they had. They deserve to be out in the world 
just in a different form. And so, um, yeah, I, I had a dude that I, su- I super trusted, great uh, producer named Rich Reuter out of Dayton, Ohio. And uh, yeah, he helped me reconstruct those songs and build them the way, you know, they deserve to be. All right, question number two. And That's this it. may be the outside, maybe uh, Reuter helping you yeah. figure this out, is how do you rehear those songs for the first time? You know, when, when right. you have a... when. You know, you know a cover song, that's the way the song goes. And mm-hmm. when a lot of times when you write something and record it and solidify it, as much as you want to change it and want to redo the melody line, how do, how do you help, how do you translate that to the new, new? Well, that was a creative exercise, honestly, in and of itself. Uh, because uh, actually some of the goal was to, to get these th- things sounding polished, but also let's also have fun with it too. So like I'll have like a straight up country song on there. There's the bluegrass. There's straight up like my morning jacket rock song on there. There's a Laurel Canyon-y type ballady song mm-hmm. on there as well. So just trying to take these songs in different places that honestly we wouldn't even think to go. There's a saxophone on there on like on a song called Night Ride that's sexy as hell. <laughs> I wouldn't even thought about a saxophone. <laughs> but another dude just, just in your ear, hey man, dude, a saxophone sounds fantastic here. I'm like, Yes, yes, <laughs> let's hear it, you know, and, and sometimes you don't hear those things. It just takes another, you know, set of ears to kind of guide you in that way. You know? That's interesting. Do you think the fact that when you recorded it in 2012 and you had a, uh, you know, an engineer producer um, helping shape the direction of it and turn it into that poppy, do you think that because it wasn't entirely your thumbprint on that thing, it was a little bit easier to do? A million percent, yeah. a million percent. That that taught me a lot, man. That was a hard lesson. When you have something with your name on it that you don't feel deserves your name, you know yeah. what I mean? Like uh, that sounds maybe a little bit too. You don't believe boisterous. it, exactly, exactly. That's not you. Yeah, you know what I mean. At the end of the day, so it was. It, it felt really, really good to revisit those and get them sounding the way I wanted to, and That's, to be I'll, proud of them. That's the most important thing: is to be proud of those songs. And so it's called Back Upstate. <laughs> ah, nice. There we so, go. Love it, man. <laughs> I love that idea also. Yeah. And I, I'm just curious. You said it was somebody you really trusted, you know, when you're going back through those because Neil and I have had this conversation and we had a songwriting group at one point. And I think it's one thing to say, hey, will you listen to this and give me feedback? But if it's open-ended, it's hard to listen to somebody else's song and just say, I think you should do this, this, this. I think almost sitting down with somebody and almost starting playing that song over from the beginning. How does how did that process work to where you all felt like you could really re- rework those songs? Right. Um, and again, that trust, honestly, for me, has to be there with, with any creative endeavor now. Uh, if I'm uncomfortable, that's a bad sign. You know what I mean? Like, you're not going to produce your best work that way. So that part was super important. But as far as, like, structurally what we did, we just listened to it till we were sick of it. <laughs> and then... Uh, played the what if game. What if we did this? What if we did that? I like that. I like yeah. that. And then, you know, I mean, there was a lot of, you know, okay, that that didn't work. Let's do something, <laughs> let's do something else. So how long and, was this process? Uh, it was literally pretty much like, so as soon as we could like step outside of the lockdown situation, we did the masks. We did like session players with masks, the whole thing, like sanitiz- uh, sanitization yeah. of, uh, of the studio, the whole deal. So I feel like, let me see. I want to say like from, 
was probably seven, eight months starting yeah. when we dip our toe out. What was that, like August or something? Or yeah. July, August, that summer. Yeah, man. And then just traveling back and forth to Dayton and just when everybody could, that kind of thing. So, so was it uh, one of those things that when you say you initially started and then it was just kind of a back and forth, even when you, once you're back in Cincy, like, hey, uh, what about this? What do you think about throwing that sax on this? Did you, was it a uh, completely collaborative even throughout that process? Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And that was, that was super important, honestly. Again, that's why I trust him so much, man. It's like, and it wasn't, he pushed his ideas. He, he heard what he thought would go, go well with my song. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it wasn't just like his style, his approach. He was, he was bringing stuff to me that like he knew that would work well and jive well with my style. So the what if, I like the what if game and the collaboration approach because it doesn't put it in a box or say, I think it needs to be this. You can try so many different things that way. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, honestly, you have to kind of do that as a solo musician anyway, uh, just to find different ways to work things out. So when you play with in between a punk band and a, you know, alternative grunge band, you can, you have those different directions to, to take things. So I think it takes us, it speaks to you too, though, because it takes a special artist. Uh, you know, Brent talked about songwriting group and giving people feedback. You know, you kind of you kind of learn who really wants to hear feedback and really open to change, and and who's not. So, I, you know, I think it speaks to you and your your openness to new ideas too that probably made that possible. Right. Well, and you know, again, it's it's a trust, but but B, yeah, you got to have some humility. In my case, you know, I get why certain people don't, they don't want to change their stuff. I get it, you know, and I could I could totally see being that way, uh, but uh, at the same time, it it requires some humility to be able to in my opinion, to produce the best quality stuff. And honestly, when you let other people around you who you trust be creative uh, and you combine with the, what you can do, cool shit happens, man. That's how yeah. the coolest yeah. shit happens. So well, It almost sounds like from 2012, you were the opposite. You were almost too malleable. You know, it's like, here's what... In, in, the, in the way where, you right. know, where some people, probably more like me, would be like, well, here's the song. Um and and where you were back and well, here's the song and then somebody gets and goes, well, what if we did this? And right. you just do that instead right. of kind of push back and go, well, here's what I'm hearing. Here's how I wrote it. Here's yeah, it's got to be a back and forth. It's got to be a back and forth, which totally. is really, really yeah. uh, cool and interesting. And probably, you know, the artist needs to have the final, yeah. Right. And that yeah. that is an actually, that is the most important thing. Um, yes, to your point. Yeah, super malleable. But when... It, it really does take finding your voice too mm-hmm. so that you can have that pushback to say that doesn't work. You know what I mean? So yeah, that you're absolutely right. Yeah. It's a little bit too malleable, mm-hmm. but you know, as you come up, it's it, well, doing all yeah. that traveling and gigging, you had to have found this is, this is what I'm not even going for, but this is what I am. This is what I'm producing. These are the things, this is what I'm hearing and feeling. And you know, we're at 2020, you're, you're 10 years after that record. Right when you hear those songs and you hear the right thing, you're probably like, know yourself as a musician it. a lot better. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And to know what you want your, well, your name on. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah. And a per- yeah, absolutely. As a person. Well, let's hear a tune, man. Right on. Let's, uh, let's listen to center. Tell us about center. Well, as y'all know, being fellow Kentuckians, uh, the, the Bible belt is strong around these parts. Hallelujah. And, uh, yeah. and, uh, <laughs> sometimes a little, a little too tight, that Bible belt. And so, Literally, it's about, you know, trying to be cool with yourself in a place that's not cool with you being cool with yourself. So trying to be, trying to be yourself. Right. Here it is. Center. 
Super, super pretty, and definitely interesting. It's kind of like, is there like a in the in? It's talked about you being a sinner, but it also is talking about take me under and, and bring me back a new man. Is it kind of like accept me for who I am? You can do whatever with your opinions and do all that, but just are, are do you? It's it's kind of like a reverse baptism in a way, and ah. so it's like you know I'm baptized and this is what I am. You know what I mean? Ah, like I dig it. So I mean, I'm. I'm going to be cool with me. You can be cool with me if you're not. If So, I uh, love it, dude. whichever way. I love the fiddle in that. That is my 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 good friend, Lorena Vizarro. So, I, w- I had some expat years right before COVID uh, where I lived in Milan, Italy for five years. And she's um, classically trained, traditional violinist. And I was so, so, so lucky to have her in my band over there. So, uh, uh-huh. I elected her to be on that as well because I mean I just can't hear a fiddle without her being my fiddle player yeah that's a, when Neil and Brent first came over it's the first thing I said I said man I love whoever is his fiddle player yeah <laughs> and, and you know it's, what's interesting she's incredible, incredible. It's, it's interesting because there's a lot of Kentucky bluegrassy singer song folk influence in your playing but you hear that fiddle and it's so Irish Oh, totally. it, yeah. which is which now that you know that she's Italian makes more sense because there's no bluegrass there's no fiddle in that it is way more correct the one thing I said to him I said it is so everything that's played is so crisp precise it's man precise. Crystal clear. it's yeah. perfect it is perfect uh, and it complements what you're doing so well but it is distinctly not a not a bluegrass fiddle. Yeah. It's it's so well. It's beautiful. It works really well. It's, she's incredible. 
Yeah, uh, yeah. But it does, it kind of has that Irish folk feel. Yeah. yeah. Not kind of, there's a lot to it. And yeah. I have to ask, Neil brought up influences. What What are some of your influences? I'm that cliche guy. I mean, like I'm all over the board. As far Welcome as like... to Kentucky. Yeah, right on. <laughs> exactly, man. Um, but, you know, if I had to pick like singer-songwriters that really kind of like propelled me, it's the ones that like do whatever the fuck they want to do. And that's like, you know, Tom Petty, obviously, he's oh, at, yeah. at the top, you know. Uh, you know, Jeff Tweedy with Wilco, mm -hmm. a great songwriter. As far as the things that, I mean, I grew up in the 90s, so, you know, I got lyrically Adam Duritz from the Counting Crows. Dude, man. Unbelievable. Uh, poetic. I poetic. Mean, yeah, dude. And yeah. how influential when you hear, like, the best, the coolest part about Adam Duritz and Counting Crows, you go to a show... His melody line is different every show. Oh, absolutely. Which yeah, is dude. wild. It is. It's like, I know these words and you're like, I don't sing it like that. Right. That's yeah. not how it goes. Yeah. It, it keeps your mind like just processing what he's, I think it keeps your mind on what he's saying lyrically that's, when you go to a show. That's a good thought. I've and never actually, thought about it like that. You know what? Now. You know, I think that's, you could be right, dude. And it's, that's genius, honestly. I wonder if he's doing it intentionally or if he just is switching it up to keep maybe it fresh. Maybe he's bored. Yeah, maybe he's mm. bored, you know, you never know. Oh, dude, but, like, round here, listen to round here six different times live. Not one of them will sound like yeah, the other one. Right yeah, right on. Yeah. That's phenomenal, though. Palace Theater, second row, by the way. Uh, senior year of high school. Never right on, it. man. <laughs> piano yeah, Apple open, dude. It was amazing. Shut up. Wow. It was amazing. Was awesome. What a show. Her and a piano. What a great venue. Wow. Yeah. Lee Donahue was with me. <laughs> and we were... <laughs> so you... uh you know, earlier you told us that you played drums through high school and you, you got to college and picked up the guitar. Uh, when did you start singing? Uh, around the same time, actually, okay. yeah. What about uh, writing? The, the same time. Yeah, well, I mean, I wrote like for a class and stuff, like creative stuff. Uh, but songwriting, it, it started as soon as I got Guitar for Dummies, man. Like I got mm. four chords and that was... That was it I switched pretty much primarily to songwriting versus you know and outside of you know class uh, uh, yeah. scholastic writing correct yeah prose <laughs> no just the English stuff, stuff. when right. was the first time you sang in public how old were you I was 19 or 20 no kidding wow. I mean, yeah. really, that's... Java House Java House open mic and the song I played was Mr. Jones <laughs> is that right yes, sir and I as soon as I saw those like heads nodding I'm like here we go. Hey, I'm going to do go. this again <laughs> next week at the Java House. <laughs> this, is, this is fun. I'm feeling something. <laughs> right on, man. That's why, and, you know, to this day, that's why I love going to open mics and just clapping my ass off, you know? And, yeah. And, you know, three of the four songs I, I played sucked, but it's important to be able to go out there and, you know, suck. It's like and, golf, it, dude. Exactly, yeah. If you, you know, if you hit a good ball one time when you're out there, like, dude. Here we go. Coming back. Yeah. I'm going to do this. Arnie Palmy, baby. <laughs> that's it. That's it. And if you drink while you play, it's even better. <laughs> you know, I, I did want to kind of come back to what you're talking about with this new, uh, or with the redoing your record, because the one thing I think that is important, and I think that we do it, you know, you're great with it, Brad, is there's never a you should type of mentality. You know, uh, like you should do this. You know, you should... You should put that on it. Just that open-endedness, man. I love the thought process of an open-ended. You know, we talked about songwriting and so many things, but to to how do you how do you stay open-minded, open-ended on musically? I think that's that's hard to do. 
Don't you think it's hard to do? I mean, well, you know, we've kind of talked about it. It's like, you know, we talked a lot about trust, which is like probably number one, but yeah. there's got, like Ooh. when I think about myself, I think there's got to be some confidence too. But that's why I'm looking uh, forward to these collaborative songwriting sessions we're having yeah, because sure. I've never, I've never written collaboratively because I don't have the confidence right now myself as a writer to share my ideas with, you know, I'm always thinking, is this stupid? Is this, you know? You know? <laughs> they all feel stupid, though. Right. It's, mm-hmm. The collaboration, though, I think is key. I mean, oh, it's absolutely. different. Yeah, I mean, just watch the Beatles documentary, and that blew my mind how they kind of just sat oh, in a circle. Gosh. It's like watching that, the hand of God, like, <laughs> like touch them. Like, that right? opened oh, my, my mind to how yeah. they wrote songs, though, because they would just Insane. play and make up goofy lyrics until something clicked, and then you would see them all kind of stop, and they're like, they knew that that was something. And, yeah, you just saw it click visually. They threw out ideas wow. that didn't work, and that... And and you all had a whole episode on ego. I think it's also letting go of your ego. But you know, Brent, um, Brent, you're a lot like I am, though. You know, you're kind of a linear and analytic. So uh, don't don't you find it hard to just like share ideas in the moment? Like I like I try to think things through. Yeah, too much. sometimes. Yeah, I do. I'm guilty of that. Instead of just letting it, <laughs> just let it out. Dude, and I yeah. bet Neil and and I bet Neil and Nick can't feel that. It's at overthinking. All. <laughs> way too much overthinking. Sometimes. Um, right. I, yeah, I do. I think all my stuff sucks, though. I'm like, when I, it's not, you, you're super critical. I don't know about you as a songwriter. It, it's hard not to be super critical of what you're, especially if you're ready to get it out there and release it. Um, how do you go about finishing a song and to get to a point where you can let it go? You know, because especially... Dude, that is a great question. I'm I'm struggling with that right now, honestly. Do you uh, have some stuff that you're holding on to? Well, no, nah, it's getting ready to be out in the world in March. <laughs> and so, like, I'm just having that pre, you know, release panic attack, you know? Yeah. So you question, but, you know... Everything. And yeah. the, the thing that I have to do and I've learned, the healthy thing is just like, you know what? This, this is ready to be birthed. You know yeah. what I mean? Just, like, set it aside, you know? Um... And these are done. Well, there's just a little bit more pressure on this. This one was like born pre-COVID. So mm-hmm. like this is like I was traveling from Italy to record over here. Uh, it's, it's just three or four years of work. So this one's a little bit more pressure in it and a little bit more investment in it than a typical, one of my typical projects. But that being said, yeah, man, I think you just have to, Set it aside. Let it go. What's the target date on this? March. 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 I'm releasing the uh, second week of March. Um, going to do an official release down in South By, but also doing a launch here in Louisville. Oh, cool. Oh, where's that going to be? The Monarch. Oh, March oh, yeah. Awesome. Yeah, buddy. Right. We'll see my buddy. Can Mark. we come and record it? A million percent. Yeah, oh, right. We'll, do a, yeah, we'll awesome. do a live. Uh, we'll record that for you. Heck yeah, yeah, man. That'd be fucking rad, man. Awesome. I appreciate yeah. it. Man, if I'm out of town, I might be out of town. You if guys you are, might we have got to do it. that. Yeah. We got it. We, we got the it. mobile set up. We'll, we'll take care of Heck it. And, yeah, then you can, and then you can judge us. <laughs> <laughs> teach me everything you know before you leave, Brad. Obi-Wan yeah. Kenobi, will you teach me? Yeah. What is, uh, how does writing unfurl for you? Like, how does it usually start? And do you do a lot of collaborative writing or any, or what's it just, what's that look like? Um, it's not an easy way to answer this because it's everywhere, honestly. I'm ADHD as hell. Yeah. And so, like, I'll, I'll have these lyrics that I've got in my phone for since probably 2015, 2016. And then I'll have these, like, things that I'm banging around on on the guitar. And sometimes they marry, like, these, <laughs> these different things. Because I found them. I'm like, oh, shit, I forgot about that, dude. 
And so, Isn't that great? <laughs> yeah, dude. Like, that's a gem. <laughs> yeah. And then sometimes it's, it's just there. It's intentional. I wake up with it and it's there and it's just gift wrapped for me. So sometimes I have to go digging. Sometimes it's like there at Christmas morning, yeah. man. So just uh, open up the gift. So do you, do you structure time sometimes that like, do you just sit down and say, I'm going to write now, or does it mostly just something that comes to you and you put in your phone? Um, mostly it comes to me, but when I am intentional, um, what is it? I think it was Hemingway said that like, you know, inspiration comes at nine in the morning, whether it's there or not, because he gets up and writes at nine in the morning, whether it yeah. just puts, puts yeah. words on a page. So when I'm intentional about it, it can happen. Um, that's when I'm trying to just like work out a problem with the song, like trying to find something that I'm not hearing or something to complete it. Uh, but as far as like the, the bones of a song, generally it's, it's either in my phone or it's just something I've just stumbled upon. That's, that's generally how that works. I hope I'm not totally getting the names and the artists and everything wrong on this, but I remember listening to a podcast one time. I think it was Rick Rubin talking about Eminem that he just writes constantly. Like from the time he wakes up, he, right. he just constantly keeps putting words on the page, knowing right. that 99% of it's going to be garbage because he feels like that's what keeps his, his mind working. That's mm -hmm. smart, honestly. And he was comparing it to another artist, uh, maybe Jay-Z, that never writes anything down. Jay-Z never like, writes He like comes in the studio and listens to, Neither did listens to the beat and just... Then just goes with it. Oh, Neither man. did Biggie. How rad is that? Yeah. <laughs> Neither crazy. did Biggie. He'd sit there, listen to the beat, and then he'd just, just get flow. in the mic and go. Yeah. Um, wow. I mean, I, he would write in his head. I mean, that's why yeah. there are some writers that never put, there are some comedians that never put pen to paper. Isn't that but wild? they know their routine from that's the front incredible. to the back, and it's they've got it nailed down. You know, it's just, uh, I ain't got the mind for that. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, there's, um, I listen to a lot of, podcasts and comedians and writers that talk about that process of writing. And they talk about um, intent, just sitting down regardless of what you're writing. It doesn't have to be a song. It can be a journal. It can be a uh, poem. It can be lyrics. It can be your plan for the day or the week or the month or whatever, but structuring that time to, to write, just to have your, your brain Mm -hmm. constantly trained, like kind of right. what you were talking about Eminem. And it doesn't have to be all day, but making that time where I'm going to sit down for an hour or 20 minutes or 30 minutes, which I never do. Um, but it does make sense because when we, when we were doing the writing group and we were forced to come up with a song. Yeah, the you, deadline. You knew you, you were meeting with the group. Here's your deadline. It yep. doesn't matter right. if it sucks. It doesn't matter if you think it's good. You have to have a song based on this thing. And I haven't written a song since that group dissolved, by the way. Yeah. I mean, well, it's because you weren't given a deadline to do that. Yeah. Right. There, there was intent involved in it, and it's, it made you sit down and do it. And it could be GCD. It could be, you know, something that you don't believe in that you would ever put out outside of that group. But it, it, it is the process of forcing yourself to do that that you noticed that it came easier every time. Well, it got a little bit simpler to... Uh, put, until we just all dissolved and it was like, all right, this is done. We ain't got time for it anymore. <laughs> well, you know, it's such the structure a, unstructured. Yeah, yeah. it's it's such a interesting process just just observing yourself, or at least it was for me because you know uh, what happens for me is as I would sit down, you know, I know okay, songwriting groups meet Tuesday night, and I haven't done anything, so you know, I sit down and I'm just like sitting there just with nothing for a while, 
<laughs> and then like, you know, once once whatever connects in your brain or whatever goes, it just it just pours out. Because that's how it usually works for me. It's necessity, huh? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Thomas <laughs> Pressfield. I like the idea of making of time for that. Yeah. Um, it, one of the most interesting ones, just very quickly. I think I was listening to some podcast. It was Rivers Cuomo from Weezer. And he would like document his writing process. So he wrote some songs where he knew, I'm going to smoke this. I'm going to have two shots of tequila. It's going to be this time of day. It was like scientific the way he tracked when yeah, he wrote. Setup, huh? Interesting. And yeah. then he you also can... made a custom algorithm that Jesus. would play through his playlist of old songs that he had never finished and it would pop up on his playlist so many Shut times up. a day. And he even wow. even crowdsourced it and put it on the website and would have like the public he weigh been in a on stuff to <laughs> do. So I was like, he's got the glasses that's, for it. That's interesting. I've never I heard think of he like actually a process has a doctorate. Like yeah. I no, believe no, that. Yeah. I believe no, that. It makes sense. Fascinating, actually. Yeah. yeah. Best yeah. line he ever wrote. What's with these homies dissing my girl? <laughs> Why, <laughs> they got Why do they come <laughs> I love that, man. It's a great thing. <laughs> no, but also there's something to be said for what you were talking about with just like putting stuff on the page, that stream of consciousness. Um, yeah. Honestly, sometimes when I'm just like, when I have like the guitar part, but I don't have the lyrics, sometimes I'll just go back and read like Kerouac or Ginsburg, some of those beat generation guys that just literally just let it flow and they didn't like really have a filter. And so you get some of this beautiful language and as you're reading it, it can't help but like kind of transfer some of that like, you know, lyrical, you know, value back to you. That's a, you good, that's a Dude, great idea. One of the, uh, this Rick Rubin, uh, genius of Rick Rubin that we talked about, it might have been the same interview he was talking about working with System of a Down. I thought about quit wearing shoes, by the way, see if I could be more like <laughs> Rick <laughs> I, don't I don't know. I don't know if that would happen. But he was talking about working with System of a Down and they were working on, um, uh, what's their big, the, the toxicity. Yeah. They were working on toxicity and they had the entire song done, all the lyrics were done except for the bridge. You know, where Father, why have you forsaken me? So Ruben's sitting with him. He's like, man, I can't figure out what to write on these lyrics. And they're in his office. And he said, uh, go grab any book on that shelf. And he went and picked up a book and he opened And he said, open it up to any page. What's the top line? It was, Father, why have you forsaken me? And that has ended up being... Is he that said, right? Yeah. Love that's, it. that's your lyric. Love it, and that was it. And that yeah. while I love I mean, it, the genius of Ruben. It's like it doesn't matter what it says. <laughs> the song is amazing. Put in, in, but it just so happened that it worked. Yeah. perfect for the song too. <laughs> yeah, I think That's that was one of uh, Rogan. There's that finger of God, Nick. That is. Right? <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> there you go, buddy. He has a finger of Ruben. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's hear another tune. Tell us about the night as ours. So uh, this was written in Milan with my buddy um, Andrea Rock. Uh, so I was over there from about 2015 to about a month before the Corona bomb dropped. Are you we oh, wow. Yeah, we moved back. That was a bad place to be. February 1st of 2020, the next week they were on lockdown, the week after we left. Um, so it was a crazy time period. But the February the, 1st, 2020. Oh, that just processed in my head, dude. That was the tip month, of the spear. Correct. Yeah. One month before the, the Rony Roan oh, dropped oh on us, man. Oh, my gosh, yeah, dude. dude. So, uh, was that by happenstance? You just were moving back? Correct. Yeah. It just, yeah. And honestly, it was supposed Ooh. to be like a 50 50 type situation where back and forth. But um, no, nah, man, wound, yeah, that wow. was enough of the, the Italy after that, I guess, because, yeah, it's just, 
wasn't working out with the Corona stuff and all the regulations. So I haven't been able to go back over there, but, um, what it, to come back to that <laughs> Sorry. point. Sorry. No, man. Like I told you about that ADHD thing, man. I think uh, it was me. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, I'm, I'm easily squirreled. So. You and Neil together, A-A-D-D-H-H-D-D. There we go. <laughs> I saw the same squirrel, don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, this is a, a co- collaboration with my buddy, Andrea Rock. He's actually a radio speaker for Virgin Radio, Italy, uh, one of the two national radio stations. And it just so happened that me and him bonded at, at a gig um, talking about American sports. That was something mm-hmm. that was like in short supply over there. So just me and him BSing about, you know, the Celtics. <laughs> and that became, um, you know, a, a really, really good friendship. And we respected each other, you know. I couldn't write a song in Italian, but he sure as hell wrote songs in English. So um, <laughs> we we did a little split album together called This Is Home just to kind of celebrate, you know, just finding brotherhood in a place that's not familiar, uh, just with very familiar things. And so this was our collaboration song, The Night Is Ours. That was the single that, believe it or not, it's wild in Italy. <laughs> so really? yeah, dude. Awesome. Yeah. awesome. It's crazy. has has... Uh, has uh, zero attachment to like Italian culture, but like, yeah, they dug it. So, right. uh, yeah, man. <laughs> the night is ours. got a very petty vibe to it too oh it does yeah it's missed in the world today i'm telling you that is uh i love that song that made my heart leap man just (laughs) that's my hero dude yeah that sounds it sounds like he broke that song oh my god (laughs) you made me faint (laughs) i'm so happy thank you (laughs) so uh cincinnati's home for you right now it sounds like you've been around since you left edmondson county uh how how did you uh what, what brought you to cincy uh well again it was uh just the uh the work thing. So what were you doing yeah. in Italy? So yeah, it, it, long story. My wife at the time, she or my wife, she. Uh, <laughs> <all right. laughs> we got we got to edit by knowing. <laughs> at the time, she just had offered to go to Milan. I didn't I didn't phrase that correctly. Uh, but <laughs> she's still your wife at the time, right now, as the time for life. Oh no! Here we go. At the time, uh, my wife is what he meant. Yeah, got the, she's got a. There we go. <laughs> there you go. Lifesaver accepted. <laughs> um, 
<laughs> no, I got a job offer in Italy. And so sold the house, sold the cars, and never left the country before and moved over there. Oh. And then, yeah, dude, it was, it was wild. Is the she best, a supermodel or what? Yeah, totally. Yeah, no. no uh, <laughs> works for a fashion company. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. So, makes uh, sense. Yeah. Um, so we ended up over there. I had nothing to offer anyone because I did not speak the language other than music. Did she? And does your wife? Uh, no, no. But the it, it was a global corporation that they worked for. So a lot of, most of what they did was in English. Uh, and, you know, we took courses and stuff to like, you know, be fluent enough to, you know, feed ourselves and, you know, uh, <laughs> the basics. Um, but that that's really where my music career began in earnest, honestly, because, you know, as you have starts and stops over here, or I did anyway, and, you know, over there, it was, it was all in. That's all I had was to do that. And so, weirdly, it turned out like it does over here where one gig leads to the next gig that mm -hmm. leads to the next gig, which leads to me meeting Andrea, us doing this project together, and that's the first tour I've ever been on and the first time I actually... Um, really, you know, did it and was able to pay, you know, my half of the rent doing this <laughs> so, stuff, you know. Oh, nice. Yeah. When, you, uh, when you were starting, I mean, I couldn't imagine how daunting of a test that would be, number one, <laughs> to go, yeah, I'm going to book this English singing gig over here in Italy. What was that like? I mean, Dude, when you uh, went and played a show, were you playing with other bands that sang Eng English speaking? Was it all Italian? Was it solos? How did that, what did that look like? Dude, we're going to need like opera. three more hours. But like, <laughs> honestly, it, it, it really is a freaking novel. Seriously. Uh, so I literally just walked to a place that was like five steps from our apartment in downtown Milan. And it was called Palo Alto Cafe. And it said live music. And this is something you got to watch for when you're in Europe is that even though it says live music, that means a person who was there is alive and there's music <laughs> on the speakers. <laughs> um, Are you serious? Yeah, that doesn't mean that there's a dude. In, well, they don't have that. The Mediterranean countries, they don't have that like culture of a dude in a bar and a guitar. Yeah. Okay. You know, or a dude with a guitar and a bar. Um, really? That's an English and American kind of thing. So it's kind of like a little bit of a novelty. I bet uh, they loved it. Oh, so, yeah. Dude, it, yeah. And so yeah. my first time was like, I, be, I went to this Palo Alto. I begged the the owner basically who did not speak English uh, at the time and I sat down with his family for dinner they were there at that Palo Alto cafe and they and he's like only thing he said to me Prince had just passed away he's a like, play Prince and I'm like oh cool I can, I can handle it and so uh, <laughs> the first and only time I've ever covered Prince was <laughs> to get that Purple Rain get what song did you play uh, I did uh, party, party Like It's 1999 uh, okay there you go <laughs> yeah. that's not an easy song to pull off in a cafe with an five, acoustic baby. bro Capo five, Capo five. five. Yeah, <laughs> um, but perfect. I opened for karaoke that night uh, <laughs> so Swear to God. That is awesome. Swear to God. And so that gig led to another one, which led to, like I said, uh, another one across town. And it just kept on, you know, like this it does guy has great music, but he speaks terrible Italian. Right? <laughs> well, that's the thing too. So my, my buddy, as I started like playing with this, this band and my buddy Andrea, and they gave me a little script to say before. And it's basically it's like, Miki Amo, Nicholas Johnson. My name is Nicholas Johnson. Vinga da Cincinnati, Ohio. I'm from Cincinnati, Ohio. Uh, ma, but, um, vivo in Milano per tre anni. I've lived in Milano for three years. Grazie per essere qui. Thank you for being here. 
enjoy the show. So yeah, yeah. So I, I got to speaking script. English the rest of the show. I bet show they right love the, they love the American music too. I bet, dude. Yeah, uh, no, they're they're all about it. It shapes their artistic culture totally. You know, and so they they eat up anything American. And you know, I I did I used that to my advantage because I mean what they have over there too is like if you're an American and you're playing music nine times out of ten it's one of the big dogs in a big venue mm-hmm. yeah. very rarely is somebody over there you know visiting playing you it's know five feet from you exactly yeah, yeah. yeah. that's cool so, yeah well we, know, well we know some people uh, that are heading overseas very very shortly Mojo Thunder and that's kind of the same deal they're, they're not it's going to be interesting to see how that goes for them um, because of that they're, they're not one of the top 10 touring acts in the country. No. So it will be interesting to see how something like that does go uh, from an outside perspective. And I would definitely like to ask them about it eventually, see what the world that looks like. Being right. in your situation where you're you're there right, makes a ton of sense and being able to garner some traction and doing that. Yeah, it was it was great. And then obviously having... You know, a dude who works or is a speaker for one of the two national <laughs> radio stations that that obviously helped too. Oh, and, yeah, and, you know, yeah. yeah, what a contact! Uh, yeah. Exactly. Well, and to be able to do that, I couldn't have made those gigs and played the places I played. You know, without the help of you know somebody being the middle person in some of these bigger operations. So it was absolutely. I mean, I'm humbled for the rest of my life that they were able that they took me under their wing and you know. And honestly, a lot of I learned a lot of how to be a pro as far as like handling the business side of it from from them as well. So But you want to get back too. I can't freaking wait. Yeah. As much as I love Cincy too, man, in in a heartbeat. I go back to I loved it so much. And uh it was just so much easier to tour over there. Really it is. Really? Uh, yeah. and well once you get over dude, so I did a UK England tour as well. And my flight from Milan to Dublin, twenty seven Euro dude. Wow. <laughs> it was it was going to be 60 euro to check my guitar. So I just bought my guitar a plane ticket for 27 euro. Uh, you could, well, let, let me just press pause on that. So uh, what I did your, not do was your guitar spend players, your guitar is a drunk. That's the problem. Did you, yeah, did you get an extra beer for your guitar? <laughs> <laughs> ma'am, ma'am, he's a little parched. Uh, well, what I didn't do was spend the extra $15 to pick the seats. So <laughs> it didn't sit with you. You both got Dude. middle seats and different. Uh, <laughs> it was at the front of the plane. I was at the back. I there's these that like guitar seats. There's these Asian tourists taking selfies with my guitar in the front. <laughs> that is awesome. I think, I think there's. <laughs> I think there's Instagram photos of me taking pictures of them taking selfies that's with my hilarious. guitar. <laughs> that's awesome. Oh, that's great. Man, Nick, it's been fun. We appreciate we you spending the last hour with us. Yeah. We've been going an hour? Yeah. Wow. Time man. flies, man. You're going to have to write that book about the five years in Italy, man. Dude, yeah. Let's see if this ADHD doesn't cripple me, but yeah. <laughs> right. That's why no, you do it. A paragraph it, at a time. Paragraph yeah. at a time. <laughs> you got it. Yeah, we don't want to leave, though, without letting our listeners know uh, they want to follow you, follow you a little more closely where they can find you. Yeah, sure thing. So all the all the social medias, uh, it's at nicholasjohnsonmusic. And then uh, the website's nicholasjohnsonmusic.com. Uh, Twitter, as long as that shit lasts, is uh, at drums and a guitar. And he just made a hellacious Dude, face, man. I, I, for the record, <laughs> Starlight Whiskey Distillery crap, crap is terrible. It I don't is, I, no. I'm sorry, Hubers. You're close and all, but that shit is terrible. So this, oh, oh, this bottle of bourbon 
It's been here forever. It's been here for I don't know how many years. And I brought it up here and I, I pull it out and make you guys pour. Uh. <laughs> Just trying to get rid of it. I can't, I can't throw it away, but it is. It's bad. It, I knew oh, what no. it was when I poured it because I remember how bad it was last time. But it's just it's it's better. Better. Dude, it did not. I think it maybe aged a little bit longer than that bottle. Like, oh, that's terrible. We need to add that to whatever else. Get rid of it. Right. We can do a blend. There you go. <laughs> well, man, thanks again, Nick. Yeah, well, thank you so much for having me, man. This is a pleasure, man. I appreciate we're awesome. it. We're going to go out with Shame. Tell us tell us about Shame. Well, it's it's a song about, you know, some people call it um, a breakdown. Some some people call it a breakthrough. And so ah. it's depending on how, when you're at that very bottom, um, that really kind of defines where, where you go. It's a turning point. And so if you can turn it into a breakthrough, you can make it work for you. So that's kind of what Shame's about. Dig hey, it, man. All right. Thanks again, Nick. Absolutely. Thank you, guys. These things in my head I watch them come alive And rising like the tide Gonna take me right down to New Orleans Gonna play these songs down in Bourbon Street And I just pray it don't rain It's a shame It's a shame I had to lose my mind Find my soul And it's strange Honey, I have changed But I had to lose my mind Find my soul These things I can't say The words that I can't find Like a desert, baby, I burned and dry. Gonna take me right down to New Orleans, gonna play these songs down in Bourbon Street, and I just pray it don't rain. It's a shame, oh, it's a shame. I had to lose my mind. By my soul And it's strange Honey, I have changed I had to lose my mind To find my soul Change. Honey, I have changed, but I had to lose my mind.
Never mind.